This evening, I invite you to open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. This evening, specifically, we're focusing on Paul's instructions to husbands, commanding them to love their wives. In Sioux Center, we've been working our way through this letter to the Ephesians. This morning, I preached on this passage, so I'm not intentionally picking on anyone this evening. This is just the passage I preached on this morning, and now I get to preach it for you as well. And when it comes down to it as a husband, it's something that I need to hear repeatedly. Before we turn our attention to God's word, let's ask him for his blessing. Please pray for me. Our Father in heaven, as we open up your word together... Please give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. We pray also that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints and your incomparably great power for us who believe. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to begin reading with verse 15 just to give us the context. Let's pay careful attention because this is God speaking his word to us. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord remains forever.
People of God, this is a challenging passage. How do you preach on a passage telling husbands to love their wives when it's something that you yourself have failed at doing? How do you do that without being a hypocrite? Like I mentioned before, I need to hear this just as much as the next guy. Maybe even more. I've not loved my wife like Christ loved the church. Not even close. And we might be thinking, well, what right does he have to talk and tell husbands love their wives? Or we can think about Paul, who wrote this letter to the Ephesians. Yes, Paul was an apostle, but he wasn't married. He's writing about relationships between husbands and wives. What does he know about a wife? Or being a parent with children, or having slaves and masters. We might think, what right does he have to talk about husbands loving their wives? And what we need to realize, what we need to keep in mind is that Paul teaching about marriage doesn't need to be based on experience because he's applying the gospel to the marriage relationship. This is what it looks like to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, which he's been describing throughout this letter to the Ephesians in your marriages, specifically as husbands loving their wives. This evening, it's not Paul's word or my word, but it's God's word that we hear. It's the gospel. And it confronts us in our failures. It highlights our need for Christ. And then it instructs and enables us how to live lives of thankfulness for Him. Specifically, as husbands being called to love their wives. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And it's out of that gospel truth that husbands are commanded to love their wives. Husbands, love your wives. And we see that worked out in our passage in three ways. Paul gives us three examples of what that kind of love looks like. Husbands, love your wives. First of all, as Christ loved the church. That's our first point this evening. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So here, husbands, love your wives just like Christ loved you. And here, the command that we are given is an unconditional agape love for our wives. A love that is given, not earned or even deserved. Husbands, the truth that confronts us here in this passage is that your wife will never be able to earn or deserve the love that you are being commanded by God to have for her, to give her. An unconditional, self-sacrificing, sanctifying love. You're not loving her because of what she has done for you or because she has earned that love or deserves that love. You're loving your wife in obedience to the Lord. It's because of Christ and his love for you that you then share that same love and have that love for your wife. It is so easy for our relationships, especially 
our marriages to become conditional. You do this for me, I'll do this for you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And what we're being reminded of here this evening is that our love, the love that we are called to, is an unconditional love. Christ's love for us while we were still sinners was and still is unconditional. And that's the love that we are commanded to have for our wives. Now as we try to understand and grasp what Paul means as he's talking about love here, we need to understand how biblical love, specifically the love that husbands are commanded to have, is different from the love that our culture typically speaks about. Whether you're watching movies or TV shows or novels or magazines, in general, our society describes love as something that you, that you just fall into. You fall into love. It's passive. It's something that happens to you. You don't have any control over it. It just, it just happens. And how in the world can Paul command you to, to love your wife when it's, it's something that's an involuntary response to a situation outside of your control? In our culture, love is referred to in the passive voice. I fell into love or something I hope to fall into love. And that romantic feeling or that romantic love in Greek eros is different from the love, the agape love, that's being described here in Ephesians 5. The agape love that God the Father has for us, that Christ has for us in a willingness to give up himself for us in our place. Here we are commanded to love. It's a deeper and it's a higher love, not a passive, involuntary emotion that comes or goes. But rather, the self-sacrificing, unconditional love that was exemplified to us in Jesus Christ when he gave himself up for us. Ephesians 5 presents the bottom line for marriage. He's Paul is drawing two, two parallel lines. We, we heard it in the section addressing wives here. The analogy is of Christ and his church. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, just like the church submits to Christ. And now Paul is using that same analogy. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And we know the level of this love that Christ has for the church, uh, uh, an astonishing level of love because the, the Bible is clear about what it took for Christ, what this love of Christ looks like. We just uh, celebrated Good Friday and Easter, the Son of God giving up himself. Love. Offering his life for her life, the life of his body, the church. When you look at verse 26, if you have your Bibles open, that he might sanctify her. This verse reminds us that Christ's bride needs to be sanctified. She needs to be cleansed. Jesus didn't come to one who was already beautiful and pure. He came to those who needed to be made or become 
pure and sanctified. And then he accomplished that sanctification. Remaining with her throughout that process to the very end. And then you get to verse 28. And as our minds are being flooded with this image of Christ giving himself up for his bride and then sanctifying her so that she can be presented to him without stain or spot or blemish in in radiant splendor, we get to verse 28 and Paul says, yeah, husbands, in the same way, that's how you should love your wives. Do that. For your wife. Love her in that way. Love her like Christ. Sacrifice yourself for her like Christ did for you. Purify her. Encourage her. Build her up. Spiritually speaking, like Christ is doing for the church. The love of Christ for His bride, a bride that's made up of of sinful men and women, is as an example for us husbands of what it looks like for us to love our wives. That's the, the disposition, the orientation that should inform all of our thoughts and our words and our actions. Now, husbands... And those of you who hope to be husbands someday, as you think about what Paul is saying here, what God is saying to us here in this passage and what that means for you, it's helpful to ask yourself some questions. In the book Gospel-Shaped Marriage, Chad and Emily Van Dixhorn give some questions as we examine our hearts. I talked to John Van Dixhorn earlier, it turns out that's his nephew. So, a small world. But here's what they say. Here's the questions that they ask. Are you loving her with all that you are and all that you have? In other words, do you, like Christ, love your wife deeply and sacrificially and purposefully and faithfully? Are you praying for her and studying her so that you can pray for her better? Is your prayer really for her or for you? How have those prayers been answered? Are you leading devotions that profit her, that benefit her? Are you trying to study the Bible and Christian doctrine so that what you say will be thoughtful and useful? Does she know that you love her? To do these things, to live in this way, to pray in this way. We need to be willing to let go of of many of the other things that we want to hold on to, that we want to hold close. Here we have the example of Christ giving up himself. What do we need to let go of that's keeping us from holding on to our spouse like we should? What's getting in the way of that? Because that's how Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her. And then Paul goes on 
by saying that he might sanctify her. Look at verse 26 and 27, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So here you have this pure and this spotless, radiant bride, the church. Why did Christ love the church and give himself up for her? These two verses, 26 and 27, tell us that the goal of Christ's love was to sanctify her, to sanctify his bride, the church, his washing and cleansing and purifying so that she can be his bride. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church. And the goal of this love is sanctification. Now you may remember some of the Old Testament stories how God's people were described as his bride and Israel's unfaithfulness is described in terms of the unfaithfulness of, of a spouse. We see God's love for Israel, but we, we remember that Israel was unfaithful. If you think about the prophet Ezekiel, the bride, Israel, prostitutes herself with any passerby and then pays for the services herself. And that's the sad story of Israel's idolatry, of her unfaithfulness, of her dirtiness and corruption, if you want to describe it like that. And now, here in Ephesians chapter 5, the church is being cleansed. God's people, his bride, are being purified, cleansed of their unfaithfulness, so that they can be presented without spot or blemish, in radiance and splendor, and it's not because of anything that we have done. It's because Christ has loved us and gave himself up for us because of what Christ has done for her, because he loves her. And this is the example and the model for husbands to follow. Same kind of love that they are called to show for their own brides. Now we know that it's not us as husbands sanctifying our wives. But we can encourage them, love them, be intentional in, in equipping and encouraging them in the means of grace. Allowing God to use us as husbands to mold and shape our wives, to help her grow in holiness. And what we see happening in this passage is that this love that we are called to have for our wives is more than just a duty. It's more than just a checklist. Yep, okay, I loved her today. This is a disposition of our heart. This is uh, this refers to our calling. It's a, an orientation that characterizes everything that we do as husbands. Husbands, love your wives. It's not a recommendation. It's not a suggestion. That's a direct command from God. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, first of all. Secondly, husbands, love your wives as you love yourself. Now, just for the record here, 
And I already said I'm not picking on you guys. But the section on husbands is three times as long as the section on wives. Hopefully that doesn't lead to any conversations on the right home. Section on the wives has one example. Section on husbands has three. Different illustrations just helping us as husbands try to figure this out. Or maybe it's for a different reason, but I'll go with that. Paul's helping us understand what it means to be husbands. So love your wife like Christ loved the church. Got it. Filed away. Now love your wife just like you love yourself. Here's the other analogy, another perspective to the love that we are called to have as husbands. Verse 28 tells husbands to love their wives as they love themselves. Now, typically speaking, loving ourselves, taking care of ourselves. Think about what you're going to do this evening once you get home. You find that spot in the living room. We're pretty good at taking care of ourselves. If we're hungry, we find something to eat. We want to get comfortable. There's the lazy boy. Now, Paul is taking that and he's literally saying, Husbands, love your wives just like you love your own flesh. You'll love yourself. But the word play that's going on here is that Paul, in the next moment, is going to be say, saying, Yeah, you're going to leave your, your father and mother and be united to your, your wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So when he's saying, love her like you love your own flesh, oh, and by the way, you are one flesh, there's a little bit of a play on words going on. In the same way, verse 28, husbands should love their wives. He who loves his wife loves himself because you're one. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. So Paul's doing a lot of back and forth here. Is he talking about husbands and wives? Is he talking about Christ and the church? Christ gave himself up for his bride, the church. And now Paul is saying that we as the church are his body. He's the head. We are the body. We are one flesh with Christ. In the same way, marriage is pointing to that Christ-church relationship. Love your neighbor as yourself. And here, Paul is taking it to the next level when he's saying, love your wife as you love your own body. This implies an intimacy and a connection between husband and wife that goes beyond any other human experiences. And here's the point. If you are, mar if you are a married man, love your wife like you love yourself and then some. If you hope to be married someday, if you want to be a husband someday, plan on loving her as much as you love yourself and then some. How do we do this? We do this by living out the love that Christ has shown to us. And think about the examples of love that we find throughout Scripture. Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. Speaking gently, being kind, being patient. Because I might need to apologize for what I said in that moment. 
guarding your time, making her a priority. It's so easy for us to get absorbed in our work to the point where that is taking up and becomes our life. Yes, we have to do enough work so that we can feed and provide and care for our wife and our family, but on the other hand, we don't do so much work that we can't take care of them in all the other ways they need us to care for them as well. Husbands, protect your wife. Comfort her. Encourage her. Pray for her and with her each and every day. Husbands are to love their wives as they love themselves, and this is all-encompassing. Paul in Ephesians 5 is, is talking about people who are healthy, taking care of their own bodies. He's talking about what healthy marriages look like. What should you do if you, you notice that something's wrong or unhealthy in your spouse, something that's problematic, something that's not quite right? Well, think about, well, what would you do if, if all of a sudden you're not feeling completely 100%? How do you care for yourself? Yesterday I was chopping vegetables in the kitchen and I heard the kids horsing around upstairs and then all of a sudden one's crying and runs downstairs, finger got slammed in the door. I just happened to have a butcher knife and I said, okay, let's take care of it. She stopped crying and went back upstairs. But that's not the answer if we're hurting, right? You don't just chop off a, a leg that's hurting or a member that's hurting, but rather we nurture what's defective or lame or ailing. We, we favor it. We, we nurse it back to health. We care for it. We love our wives by doing the same for them when they're hurting. Don't follow my example when it comes to when your kids are hurting. Now, this is hard work, husbands. This is not easy. This kind of selfless, sacrificial love is not our natural response because we often lose our patience when, when sinful patterns that we put up in our own life or put up with in our own life and overlook, when those sinful actions all of a, all of a sudden show up in others, then all of a sudden it becomes a big deal and we lose our patience. And that's possibly why, as Paul is describing the relationship between husbands and wives, he's bringing it back to the church and Christ once again. Christ, in giving himself up for us, was ultimately caring for and taking care of his own body, his own flesh. The church, his bride, us, you, me. And that's how a husband is to view and care for his own wife. One flesh. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives as you love yourself. And third and finally, husbands, love your wives as you were created to love. And that's our third and our final point this evening. Paul's just told us as husbands to love our wives as we love ourselves, as we love our own bodies. And now he is going to add to that by describing how we are one flesh with our wives, just like the church and Christ are one body. And he's going to tie 
this all the way back to Genesis 2 in describing the oneness between husbands and wives, how we are as husbands created to be one and love our wives. It's reminding us of the book of Genesis to show us that in a very real way, God considers husbands and wives to be one. From the very beginning, husbands were created to love their wives as their own bodies. Therefore, verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now think about this for just a moment. Marriage, the union between a man and a woman, is a before the fall into sin institution. So before there was sin, before there was corruption and depravity, there was marriage. In the perfection of the garden, before the fall into sin and pain and brokenness and death, God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Before the serpent, before temptation, before sin, and the following curses. Genesis 2 verse 24 states, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now if Paul's point here was simply that, well, the two are one, one flesh, he could have said that. But he's including the entire Genesis quote there. He's taking what he's just said in our passage and then saying, therefore, because of this, for this reason, the institution, the union between husband and wife, the oneness of flesh is pointing forward, has always been an indicator, a foreshadowing, or a type of Jesus Christ and his relationship with his church. And before Christ came, before he sanctified, saved his bride, gave himself up for her, before there was that relationship, the institution of husband and wife marriage was a mystery. It's pointing forward to Christ and his church, but before he came, before that was fulfilled, Paul says that this mystery is profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Well, wait a second, Paul. You were just talking about husbands and wives leading and and cleaving and becoming one flesh. How are you saying that that now is talking about Christ and the church? Because marriage points to Christ and his union with the church. That's the mystery. Husbands are to love as Christ loves the church. Each husband is to love his wife as his own body. They are one. And what's mysterious as Paul is bouncing back and forth between husbands and wives and Christ and his church is that the beauty of this analogy, what's so amazing about what Paul is saying here, what's so profound, isn't ultimately that Paul is saying that husbands... uh, are commanded to love their wives. That's not what's amazing or profound here. What's what's profound is that the mystery of Christian marriage 
is given the honor of pointing to the gospel itself. Being an example of the gospel, the relationship between Christ and giving himself up and sanctifying us as his body. And marriage points to that. The mystery is that somehow God loved us and sent his son for us. That Christ loved the church, his bride, and gave himself up for her. A church, a body full of, of sinners. And he loved us enough to give himself up for us, to sanctify us, to purify us, so that we would be pure, his radiant bride. Now this passage is hard. It confronts us in our own failures as, as husbands. And while doing that, it highlights our desperate need for Jesus Christ. There are homes where there's not a lot of love. Where this isn't happening like it should. There's homes where instead of love, the response is impatience and harshness. Instead of comfort, there's judging. There are husbands who, on their deathbed, finally realize the years of joy they've stolen from their wives because of their anger or their impatience. And maybe you are a husband who realizes his own sin, his failure to do what God has called us to do. The question is not what. First is repent. Ask for forgiveness humbly. And don't just say you're sorry. Vindixhorn writes, say what it is that you have done. Use scriptural labels rather than the sanitized labels of our culture to describe sin. What does he mean? Not, sorry, I was grouchy, but please forgive me. I was selfish and impatient. And say it in detail. Say what you should have done instead. Admit the damage that you have done and the hurt that you have caused. And then take the next step and say what you are now going to do by the grace of God. Positively. And if you messed up in front of other people, whether it's your friends or your kids, apologize, repent in front of them as well. Yeah, it's hard, it's humbling. But that's what needs to take place. And be patient as you wait for that forgiveness. Because we're not saying those words in order to get something back in return. First step is repent. Second is remember Christ's love for you. Repentance and faith. Remember Christ's love for you and how he gave himself up for you for this sin. Celebrate that forgiveness that you have in Jesus Christ because of his love for you. He gave himself up for you. He's purifying you, sanctifying you, and now strive to love as you have been loved in Jesus Christ. Celebrate the sacrificial love of Christ. Not the love that you failed to show, but the love of Christ who saw the church as we really are and gave himself up for her. 
God's word confronts us. It confronts us with our failures. It highlights our need for Christ and then tells us how to live for him as we love our lives, wives just like he has loved us. Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, and it's out of that gospel truth that husbands are commanded to love their wives. As Christ loved the church, as you love yourself, and as you were created for love. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, praising you and thanking you for the love that you have shown to us in Jesus Christ. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, loved us, and gave himself up for us, his bride, to sanctify us, to purify us. Lord, forgive us when we have failed to love like you have loved us. Lord, forgive us when we haven't loved our wives like we are called to, commanded to. When our relationship has been based on, on works, conditions, rather than the unconditional selfless sacrifice of Christ. And enable us, Lord, as we go from here, not only realize in a fresh way the love that you have for us as your people, your bride, but to then share that love with those around us, especially husbands, as they strive to love their wives. As Christ loved us, the church, as we were created to love. Lord, bless us in this, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.